when God puts His hand upon our lives, He never restricts Himself to the immediacy of the moment, but He deals with us long-term, and He longs to shape us and fashion us to be more Christ-like in order that we would follow Him more closely each day. Welcome to First and Foremost, a weekly broadcast of First Presbyterian Church in the heart of downtown Greenville. Senior Pastor Richard Gibbons invites you to join us as we study God's Word together and discover what is first and foremost in our lives. This morning we are continuing our series of studies in the Old Testament book of Genesis as we have been looking at the life of Abraham. And today we come to Genesis chapter 17, and we're reading from verses 1 through to verse 17. It's a little complex, so please let me give you a heads up and try and follow closely as I read the Scripture to you. Genesis chapter 17, you'll find it on page 22. Oh, incidentally, if you're sitting on the front row, if you look underneath your chair, you'll find a Bible uh, just there, and you'll, uh, each of us will find it helpful to have that open in front of us. Genesis 17, verse 22. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. I will confirm my covenants between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abraham fell face down, and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abraham. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come. They will be to, to them you will be their God, and your descendants after you. And the whole land of Canaan where you are now an alien, I will give you as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. Then God said to Abraham, as for you, you must keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you for the generations to come. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. For the generations to come, every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised, including those born in your household or brought with money from a foreigner, those who are not your offspring. Whether born in your household or bought with your money, they must be circumcised. My covenant in your flesh is to be an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who has not been circumcised in the flesh will be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. God also said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you're no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of people will come from her. Abraham fell face down. He laughed 
and said to himself, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? Amen. And we trust that God will bless to us this reading from His Holy Word. If you have been with us over the last few Sundays, you will know there have been times in these Sundays together when we have looked at the book of Genesis and noticed God impacting the life of Abraham in spectacular ways. His life has not only been impacted, but been transformed. And you would think with the number of times that God has engaged personally with Abraham, Abraham would grow in his faith and go from one blessed occasion to another, to another, to another. God unilaterally exposed Abraham to his love and his grace, and Abraham has been maturing and growing in his faith over the last 24 years since he left Ur of the Chaldees back in chapter 12. But we also know, if you've been paying attention on a Sunday morning, that that is not the whole truth, and it's not the whole picture. Because we've seen in the life of Abraham moments of great encouragement, great growth in grace, and other times when he has fallen and fallen badly. And if you were with us last Sunday morning when we looked at chapter 16, you will know that Sarai became impatient with God, and she sought to manipulate and plot and plan and scheme because from her perspective, God was not answering her prayer, and He wasn't answering it quick enough, and she really knew what was best. And it ended in disaster. And in order to ease our way into chapter 17, look at the closing words of chapter 16. Chapter 16, verse 16. Abraham was 86 years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. And then chapter 17 begins on a very similar tone. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him. Thirteen years have passed since last Sunday. And when God gives you the gift of time, please hear this. When God pushes the pause button in your life, consider it one of His greatest gifts. I suspect Abraham and Sarai did not see it that way, because for the past 13 years, there was silence, and God was no longer engaging them, no longer impacting and transforming their lives. But in fact, He has taken half a step back and He's given them time to reflect and pray and consider and to think. And that allowed them to begin to put the past behind them, to begin to deal with the regrets, to begin to deal with the, why on earth did I do that? All those sorts of thoughts. And 13 years later, God reveals Himself to Abraham once again. And the opening words of chapter 17 are among some of the most significant words in all of Scripture. 
And that's a remarkable thing to say. But notice what happened. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. I will confirm my covenant between you and me and will greatly increase your numbers. Now, why is that significant? Why are these some of the greatest words in Scripture for this reason? Notice Abraham's response when God says, I am God Almighty. And Abraham's immediate, instinctive, natural, only suitable response is to fall down on his face. And why is that wonderful? If you were Abraham, you would know. Because for 13 years, nothing has happened. And he's been tempted to think that God is done with him, that it's over, that God has had enough of him. And when Abraham, last Sunday morning, when Sarai needed Abraham the most, Abraham did what? He drifted into apathy and indifference and in disobedience to the purposes and plans and will of God. But now, but now, at last, God has come back again, and He says to him, I am God Almighty. And this is the first time we read these words in Scripture. Genesis 17, think of all that has happened up till now. And it's now God says, I am God Almighty. Up till this point, we've noticed that he's been known as Lord, L-O-R-D. It's Yahweh in Hebrew. And now he is saying, I am El Shaddai. I am sovereign. I am the God who takes the initiative. I am the God, Abraham, who loves you with an everlasting love, and you are mine. I am invincible, powerful, majestic, holy, glorious, omnipotent, omniscient. Abraham, you are mine, and I still have you in the palm of my divine hands. And this morning, before we take another step in this study, you may have to, metaphorically speaking, write those truths on your heart. You may need to hear that word of reassurance and comfort and wonder, and it's this. The Scripture tells us again and again and again that as far as the children of God are concerned, He will never give up on you. He will never surrender you to the vagaries of sinful choice and selfishness and the circumstance and waywardness of this life, but He will keep after you, pursuing you, will never abandon you and never leave you. And that's why these words are packed with hope and promise and renewal and refreshment. I am God Almighty, and Abraham, you are mine, and I have not given up on you. Abraham, there have been times when you have been just silly, 
You have been disobedient. You have wandered from me. You have sinned against me. You have brought disappointment and delay into your own life and the life of Sarah, and Sarah has done the same to you. But Abraham, I have not given up on you. Abraham, understand this, and the passage is clear that he is faithful in his love and concern for us, consistent in his grace, unchanging in his being, and holiness, and justice, and power. No wonder Abraham fell down before God in worship and adoration, in full and glad surrender, because God was once more on the move, and he refused to give up with Abraham and Sarai for this reason, because when God puts his hand upon our lives, he never restricts himself to the immediacy of the moment but He deals with us long-term, and He longs to shape us and fashion us to be more Christ-like in order that we would follow Him more closely each day and be sensitive to His purpose and His calling and to willingly and sacrificially surrender ourselves to Him. And Abraham understood all of that in that one single moment. Now, let me ask you if I can, and allow me, please, to be as gentle and as pastoral as I can. Have you ever experienced or encountered God at this kind of level? It may be that one morning you are quietly in your private time of prayer reading through the Scriptures. You were facing a particular issue that there seemed to be no resolution to. Your heart was breaking because of all your hopes and dreams were coming to nothing, and you were sad and broken inside, and you open up the Scriptures, and God Himself speaks, and it feels as if He reaches out and captures your heart again, and there is almost that tangible sense of Him wrapping His arms of love and grace around you, and His Holy Spirit with great tenderness and love whispers to your soul, it's okay. I've got you. You're mine. I'm here for you. I will never let you go, for I am El Shaddai, God Almighty, sovereign, providential, loving, gracious, omnipotent, holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty. That's who we are dealing with. And please, beloved, let me passionately give you an appeal this morning understand this. Know Him in that way, because when you know Him in that way, you give up the paltry sense that He is somehow your pal. Give up your small ambitions when it comes to understanding and knowing the sovereign God of all creation, and worship Him for who He truly is, not made in our image, 
but we in fact are made in His, and there is a God-shaped hole in our hearts that creates within us a restlessness until we do business with Him. That's what's going on here. And occasionally I will get an email from a member of the congregation, or sometimes, doesn't happen too often, but sometimes I will look out on a Sunday morning, and in the midst of a sermon, as we have been studying God's Word together, I will see someone over here, and someone towards the back, and someone in the middle, and another person here weeping, weeping openly, adults in their 50s and 60s and 70s because God is breaking through in their lives, and for the first time in their adult life, they have begun to understand that He loves them with an everlasting love, and His grace is being extended to them. If you have a sense of that, now you're beginning to understand what Abraham was experiencing that morning. And no wonder these are some of the greatest words in the Genesis narrative. It is right here. And God goes on in verse 4, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations, and no longer will you be called Abraham. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations, and I will make you very fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you, and I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant. And then he goes on, verse 9, and then God said to Abraham, as for you, you must keep my covenant you and your descendants after you for your generations to come. And this is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised, and you are to undergo circumcision, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. And here we see one of the foundational principles of biblical Christianity— that God is a covenant-keeping God. A covenant is not unlike a marriage in this sense, that when God enters into a covenant with His children, that covenant is a strong, unbreakable, intensely personal relationship of love that involves mutual obligations. Let me say it again. The covenant that God enters into with Abraham, an everlasting covenant for Abraham and his descendants, and you and I as well, is a strong, unbreakable, intensely personal relationship of love that involves mutual obligations. Abraham, as a sign of this covenant, remember he gave a covenant sign to Noah with a rainbow, and now with Abraham, he's giving confirmation of his covenant love with circumcision. And circumcision reveals this, that God is symbolically cutting away the past. They saying to Abraham, who you were in the past, all you have come through, the lessons you have learned, all are important, but Abraham, you cannot live back then. 
And over these last 24 years since I first called you from out of the Chaldees and put my hand upon you, I have been working in you and calling you to obedience and refining you and fashioning you and shaping you. And Abraham, as a sign of my initiative, as a sign of my grace, as a sign of my faith and love, you now have a sign of that covenant promise that I will be your God always and forever, and I will never give up on you and never abandon you. And the sign of the covenant, like the sign of a marriage, is this, that Abraham from that point on has the physical manifestation that he now belonged to another. And I married my wife 33 years ago, and I took those vows as many of you have taken. You belong to another. You're loved by someone else. They will not walk away from you or give up on you, that they are dedicated and committed to you. And think how much stronger, how much more intense is the covenant love of God given in the symbol of circumcision. And for Abraham and all the males within his household, that sign was now with them. And please remember this. It was back in chapter 15 when we read these words. Abraham believed, and it was credited to him as righteousness. The sign of the covenant followed the faith of Abraham. Now, this morning, we have delighted to have Emily Grace for baptism. Brandon and Mary, in bringing Emily Grace, and you saw it moments ago, were asked to take vows. They were asked to confess their faith. And on the basis of their faith, Emily Grace was then baptized. She is now under the new covenant sign of God. And it is a symbolic and a sign in this sense, that baptism points towards him. It points to his love, his grace, his initiative, his faithfulness, his persevering with us. And this morning, we celebrate that and rejoice in it. And it's a covenant sign to us. And Emily is welcomed into the family of God, prayed for, that God will lead and guide and protect not only Brandon and Mary, but Emily for the rest of her days until that day when she herself comes and stands and confesses her faith and has her own wee one baptized. All of that, all of the symbolism, all of the rich heritage and theological truth comes from the foundation of the covenant love and faithfulness of God. And so we see not only in baptism the covenant love of God, but we see continuity between the old and the new. And all of that is in this passage. Let me take you to the end of the passage this morning as we seek to wrap things up. And we come to verse 15. And God also said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you're no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations, kings of peoples will come from her. And Abraham fell face down 
And he laughed, and he said to himself, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of ninety? And the question uppermost in our minds this morning is this. Why did Abraham laugh? His name had been changed, and Sarai's name had been changed to Sarah. And the tradition in the ancient Near East in Old Testament times and even into New Testament was this, that when a biblical character's name is changed, it's intrinsically linked to the sovereign purposes of God in their life and for the rest of humanity. And Abraham's name now means as Abraham, the father of nations. Sarah means princess, royalty, and Abraham falls down on his face again, understanding once more the faithful love of God. And I cannot help but wonder, just at a glimpse, did Abraham understand the much larger picture that was going on here? Sarah would have a son she would be the mother of many nations. And generations upon generations upon generations, hundreds of years later, from Abraham and Sarah would come the Christ. God Himself coming to earth to institute a new covenant where blood was also shed when Christ Himself went to the cross for our sins, and the covenant love of God was fulfilled and expressed right there because He refused to give up on us. He refused to hand us over to our own sin. He refused to abandon us. Why does Abraham laugh? <laughs> I think simply this reason, sheer incredulity, overwhelmed, amazed, surprised, astonished, shocked that God by His grace would do all this, would pick up the tattered fragments of his life, knit them together again in order that Sarah and Abraham would be the people of God that God had always intended them to be. And so this morning, let me challenge you as you leave to leave with a smile. Leave shaking your head in astonished wonder that He would not give up on us, that He holds us in the palm of His hand, and we walk with Him day by day by day by day. And that's what it means to be surprised by grace. And once again, an amen belongs in there, beloved. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank You for this incredible passage of Scripture. Thank You for Your amazing love towards us. Thank You that You love us much more intently than we could ever imagine or ask for. And thank You that you are not disengaged from our lives, 
not disinterested and unmoved, but that you are God Almighty, sovereign, invincible, powerful, majestic, holy, glorious, omnipotent, and faithful in your love and consistent in your grace. Father, bless us this week, not because we deserve it, because we passionately long to know you more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. To purchase a DVD of today's message, please send a check or money order for $10 to First Presbyterian Church and include today's program number. For more information, call 864-672-1846 or visit our website at firstpresgreenville.org. There are still a few day camp openings for the week of June 23rd and for basketball camp the week of July 21st. Every day is different and full of fun. Contact our activities office 672-0372.